Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Plenty to get to today and plenty to get to and I want to get to it with Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. You know him from there. You know him from the Stick to Football podcast. You know him from Mic'd Up. And you know him if you're a 49ers fan because he's one of the best 49ers follows on Twitter. Matt, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, no, I appreciate all the kind words. I don't know how much Niner fans still like me. It feels like we've had a falling out uh, the last few years. But, you know, as someone who... Uh, my first job in media was actually covering the Niners. I grew up a Niners fan, so it's it's always cool to me to have the opportunity to come on and, and talk with yourself and other other Niner fans. What did you do to upset Niners Twitter? Uh, so a couple of years ago, I I reported right. So it's always you know kill the messenger that at the time uh, that so this would have been before last season that there was some friction in the front office between John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and that they needed to win basically for some of that friction to go away. Well, they did win. And I believe that friction did go away, but <laughs> it's one of those things where, I mean, you know, you've, you've been in this industry a while yourself, you know, like you're, you're told something and you double check it with a couple other people. You try to independently verify it and you feel good about it. Your editors feel good about it. So you write it or you tweet it or you say it on a podcast uh, but more often than not, it's the messenger who gets killed. And and that was me on that one. But uh, it was, you know, it was nice to see them win and, and not have to worry about any of those things. Well, and I think it speaks to this sort of regime that we're talking about. I mean, when it was Harbaugh and Balky, like not only you wouldn't have had to report that because like Jed York would have just leaked that to some national writer because that's how right. it used to be run. So even if it, let's say there was friction there. This they at least get it enough to present a unified front that there isn't friction, which is such a welcome change from how it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of Niner fans were upset because they kind of felt like maybe I was like Balky's guy or Jed York's guy. And and that just it wasn't the case. It was just one of those things where and I think we've even seen, you know, we've seen some people leave that front office and go other places. So, you know, regardless of if there was friction or not, they made it to a Super Bowl last year. They had a 10 point lead at halftime and the you know the the arrow is pointing in the right direction for that franchise i think okay well let me ask you that that's one of the things i wanted to get to and i feel like it segues nicely the 49ers have 29 free agents next year i tend to think a super bowl window is is three years where do you think it is with the niners is it shorter because of all those guys that are going to hit the market I, I think that's a great question and something that I've been actually thinking about a lot and talking about a lot over the last couple of weeks, because I do feel like three years is, is probably accurate. I'm more on the pessimistic side as a fan and as an analyst, uh, because not only is it, you know, you are going to have so many free agents coming up on the market and who knows what the salary cap is going to look like next year, but also like they've really rolled the dice on some players with some injury concerns. And I think we're seeing that play out, you know, Debo Samuel hurt in college, uh, now hurt Jalen Hurd, uh, you know, quit a, basically your college was a little banged up there too. And now he's two years into his career and hasn't played yet in the NFL. Even Brandon Ayuk, who was an injury uh, type player at the senior bowl combine, wasn't able to do any of those things. So I do think they've rolled the dice. And then on defense, you know, Javon Kinlaw injury issues in South Carolina. So if, if everyone can stay healthy, I feel like there is a, a solid three-year window, but I, I think that also goes back to what can Jimmy do at quarterback? You know, are we going to see him, continue to take positive steps or is what we've seen kind of what we're going to get. I know a lot of fans will say last year was his first full year with Kyle Shanahan. So you got to you know feel like next year there's going to be a bump and you know, you'll get the Matt Ryan references. I'm a little more uh, pessimistic when it comes to the quarterback position. I think that the defense is exceptional. The offensive line last year was very, very good. And the run game has been able to kind of carry this team. So I, I think 
there are questions. It's not a slam dunk that this is going to be a team that wins the West or wins the NFC. I think there's a lot of competition, you know, within, within the division, quite frankly, that for a normal team, you'd say, yeah, like you, you've got a core group. You can keep those guys together for three years. Then it's going to be time to pay Nick Bosa. And, and it's going to be, you know, hopefully time to, to re up some of the other guys. If everyone hits where you would like them to be, but, I just, when I look at the roster, I do have big, big question marks because of those injury players. I was one of those guys who said that Garoppolo is going to make a jump next year. He doesn't have to worry about rehabbing. He's going to be in the system and he's going to make the jump like Matt Ryan did. But then I heard Kyle earlier this year say, Jimmy knows the system as well as he's ever going to know the system. That to me was Kyle Shanahan saying what you saw is what you're going to get from him. That was him trying to lower the expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo this year. That yeah. kind of made me rethink how I approach this season. I agree with that completely. I do. And I, I don't know. I'm not a, like a Jimmy Garoppolo hater, but I think it's time to be realistic about what he is, you know, as a quarterback. And obviously we saw again, they had a lead at halftime over the Kansas city chiefs in the super bowl. So, you know, they're capable of getting to that game. They're capable of winning that game, but I, I think it's always going to be an offense that's predicated by the run game. And that's Kyle Shanahan. You know, that's Mike Shanahan. That's what they, that's what they've always wanted to do uh, with that offense. So I don't think it's a, it's not necessarily a bad thing to say, Hey, they might be a little limited at the quarterback position. I, as a fan, am holding out hope that Aaron Rodgers returns home uh, maybe after this coming season, because I would love that upgrade to see him finish his career as a 49er. But uh, short of that happening, I, I think we're always going to see this offense. You know, it's going to be George Kittle's going to be the number one option and we're going to see a strong run game. And that's who they're going to be. We're not going to see the Arizona Cardinals offense in San Francisco as long as Kyle Shanahan is the head coach. I want to ask you this hypothetical question because I think that Rogers coming there is a very real possibility. Just like this off season, there was a very real possibility that Tom Brady went to the 49ers. There is an alternate yeah. universe somewhere where this season's 49ers are Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, maybe DeForest Buckner is still here because they get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> and they, they go that way. Would you feel better as a fan with that 49ers team, the Brady Gronk 49ers team going into this season than you do with the team that's here now? If it means keeping DeForest Buckner, I do. But I'm just like, I was, I was depressed that day uh, as a fan because he was my favorite player on the team. So it was a rough day. I, I would feel better about that because I feel like we know more what we're getting. Now, obviously the problem with that would be that you would have to turn over the most important position in sports in two to three years, if you were able to lure Tom Brady there. Um, but I mean, having Tom Brady go back to, you know, his favorite team and his hometown and play, um, I would have loved it. Uh, you know, seeing number 12, it, out there uh, would have been amazing, but it's not what we got. So we'll have to deal with the, you know, the backup quarterback from the Patriots instead, but I would have <laughs> felt better about it. And, and again, I'm a draft guy. So like, I'm always going to go back to, it would be like, I love that process of evaluating and, you know, putting a value on a quarterback and finding, okay, who's the next quarterback going to be. I know Niner fans probably aren't going to agree with that because, you know, they lived through the post Jeff Garcia years, just like I did of trying to find that franchise quarterback. And it was a long, frustrating path at times. But I think there is some excitement to that, especially when you don't have a Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson, you know, you don't have those elite type quarterbacks. So you almost, I don't know if the Niners are, they're not in quarterback purgatory, but I don't think they're that far away from it. They're kind of in that next tier above that, which you can't be super comfortable with either. They could have had Patrick Mahomes and Kyle Shanahan never gets criticized for this ever. They, he had his tunnel vision for Kirk Cousins 
He admitted yep. he didn't even scout Mahomes the way he would normally scout quarterbacks. I mean, that is negligence by Kyle Shanahan, and he should be crushed for it because they missed out on the guy that just beat them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, so I actually bring that up a lot. Uh, basically, every time I think of Solomon Thomas <laughs> is, <laughs> is when I think of that. Like, oh, gosh, yep. So we, we got Solomon Thomas or Ruben Foster that year instead. Uh, it is tough, and it, it, I, it is negligent. And I think Kyle, from the moment he took that job, we knew what his – plan was it wasn't a secret you know he was going to get reunited with his best friend and then that timeline got accelerated with jimmy garoppolo being traded um i, I think that was the biggest surprise and i i've heard kyle say before too you know like yeah his plan was cousins and garoppolo being available changed that for them and it it, it helped because it, it made it cheaper you know uh, kurt cousins is making about 35 guaranteed this year so it allowed them to do some other things by having a cheaper option at that position so um, yeah, I mean, also when you make it to a Super Bowl in your what second or third year as a head coach, uh, you're gonna be able to bypass some blame, you know, of hey, you passed on Patrick Mahomes, you know, nine other teams did as well. But uh, that is one that he's probably always gonna regret, and not just Mahomes, but Deshaun Watson. Uh, so True. even if you can argue, you know, I was way too low on Patrick Mahomes, uh, most people who I know were, you know, uh, outside of Brett Beach, and so you could say, like, ah, man, no one knew what this kid was gonna become, but. If you're a 49ers fan and you think about what Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes look like in that offense, it's really hard not to get excited at having that type of athlete or that arm strength or that ability, you know, in clutch moments, like this team would be unbeatable if they had that defense, like just take <laughs> Solomon Thomas off, right? If you had that defense minus your now, you know, third string defensive tackle and Patrick Mahomes, it would be, it would be truly unfair, but I would love it. Now you've depressed me. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not where I thought we were going to go today, but, but that's okay, where we're well, at. <laughs> let's focus on the team that's on the field. Like you said, you're a draft guy, and and Brandon Ayuk has been getting a ton of love so far in training camp. Obviously, he's a little banged up now with the hamstring. Who isn't on this roster? But right. the thing with Ayuk, like this is another situation where Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are sort of set up to either get crushed or look really good because what they could have had – Anybody they wanted, basically, except Henry Ruggs in this wide receiver class. Jerry Judy was there. CeeDee Lamb was there. Justin Jefferson. Jalen Rieger. Any of these guys were there. And they took Ayuk, who looks good so far. Do you think that decision is going to pay off? What kind of a player is Ayuk? I liked Ayuk a lot. I mean, he's explosive. Um, When they drafted him, uh, my only concern was the injuries. You know, having two different injuries throughout the draft process was a little bit concerning, but then also the fact that he was kind of redundant to what you have in Debo Samuel, but I don't think having two excellent run after catch highly athletic wide receivers is a problem. Like that's not a bad thing. And I feel like, so they did get that and that's exciting, you know, to have two guys who are similar yet a little bit different. I think Debo is a little more physical, whereas Ayuk's a little more explosive. So in that offense where, you know, you're not going to have, like we were saying, you, you don't have Patrick Mahomes. You don't have Lamar Jackson. You have a quarterback who is a little bit limited away. So you want to have guys who can then create something after the fact. And I think that's why, you know, George Kittle being the best run after catch tight end in football. It, we saw what Debo Samuel did last year. And I think Brian Ayuk, it's going to be that same thing of, okay, let's set these guys up to where, you know, Jimmy doesn't have to win the game with his right arm. We can just distribute and almost play point guard and let these you know, excellent athletes that you have at the position take over. So I'm excited for Ayuk. And like you said, I've seen the love, you know, I've seen it uh, on your feet. I've seen it on others, uh, other Niner writers who I follow. And it is exciting, you know, to have an athlete like that who, you know, probably could have gone earlier, but uh, there will definitely be pressure uh, on the front office. If 
you know, if he busts, if he doesn't make it, if we have another AJ Jenkins on our hand, you're going to look and say, you know, goodness, you could have had Jerry Judy. You know, you could have had CD lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, anyone. Uh, but instead took, you know, a player who I had Javon Kinlaw number 10 overall, my big board. I liked Kinlaw. Uh, I'm never a fan of trading a player uh, to draft that position, which is what they did trading an all pro and DeForest Buckner to draft a guy that we, we hope can take his place. We're going to get to Ken on a little bit, uh, but I do want to mention the 49ers wide receivers. Like the draft history is pretty clear. You're either one of the top three of all time or you stink. <laughs> it's the weirdest draft history of any position. Jerry Rice, the best. Terrell Owens, in my opinion, is the second best wide receiver of all time. Go look at the rest of them. There's Dwight Clark, and that's pretty much it. If you want to be yep. real generous, you go John Taylor, maybe. But other than that, the 49ers have not been able to pick wide receivers, including Dante Pettis. Yeah. Oh, that's a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, J.J. Stokes, you want to take oh. it way back? You know, again, I've, I've been living with this team since uh, 1989. And, uh, yeah, wide receiver, they, they haven't hit. And I think that's why – you know, it was so exciting when Debo Samuel as a second round pick has the rookie year that he did and, and really, you know, makes a guy like Emmanuel Sanders uh, replaceable. And so to do that as a rookie and to be, you know, by the end of the season, the go-to receiver, it was exciting because the year prior you have a colossal now, I think, bust in Dante Pettis. And so we know now like what type of player Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch won at the receiver position. You know, it's easy for me to look at the wide receivers in college football and say, this is their type. This is their type. That's not their type. We know what they want. They want, you know, explosive yards after catch players. That's what Pettis was supposed to be and, and was supposed to bring a lot to the return game as well. And then Debo, uh, even Jalen Hurd, who played running back at Tennessee before playing, you know, kind of as an offensive weapon at Baylor. And now with Ayuk, like you in theory have all these guys who can make something out of nothing. Yeah, I think Kyle was envisioning, like, especially in the two-minute drill, an, an offense of entirely interchangeable parts where literally any of the players could line up at not only any of the wide receiver spots, but maybe even out of the backfield. You throw right. McKinnon in there, and he was just planning on confusing the hell out of everybody. Yeah, it would have been great, right? Just uh, you know, something we talk a lot about. You mentioned Mike up the, the local radio show I do here in Joplin, Missouri. We talk a lot about that, you know, about, you know, you can look at the Ravens, you can look at the Chiefs even the Cardinals now, I think, and just be like, okay, when they're in the huddle, what personnel grouping they have, they can, they're just so versatile. You know, you can do so many different things and just make it confusing for defensive coordinators when, you know, you can, you look at who's in the huddle and be like, I, I can't even begin to guess what they're going to run based on the personnel grouping. So I think that was probably the idea, you know, to have someone like Jalen Hurd who can play three positions, you know, we've seen him do it. It, it would have been exciting. And, you know, to help out in the red zone, to help out, you know, when you get in those tighter spaces inside the twenties where, you, you know the ball is going to George Kittle. It would be nice to have more options. And I think that was the, the ultimate goal. We just we haven't seen it play out quite that well yet. And I, I think that's where the risk of drafting players early with an injury history is a little scary. We saw that not work for Trent Baalke. You know, for years he was like, huh. oh, you've torn an ACL. Let's draft you, you Come know, lower down. than you would have been. Right. You know, at like Marcus Lattimore, let's draft you. And, and unfortunately, you know, a guy never gets on the field. So that's why like with injury players for this team specifically, I'm always pretty cautious because it just, it hasn't worked, you know, that let's buy a, a house in a neighborhood and fix it up. Like that's what you're doing when you draft an injured player early is you're hoping that you can get a, a return on that investment. That's, you know, like their, their stock has been lowered. You're hoping it'll get back to where they were pre-injury and it's just not always the case. 
And D Ford too. I mean, D Ford is never going to be healthy. Like, let's just accept no. that right now. You're right. Yeah. I mean, living in Chiefs country, I can tell you, people did backflips here when he got traded, and and he's he's never going to practice. He's never going to be fully healthy. You know, we're seeing it now. I don't think that he can be reliable. And so, even you know, doing like season previews and stuff, I've talked a lot about the Niners as you know a team that won the NFC last year. It, it just feels like they're really putting a lot of eggs in that basket of people who you can't rely on yet to stay healthy. And, and even, you know, putting a lot on a player in Trent Williams who didn't play last year. So I, I think that's, that's where like my pessimism comes in as a, a fan of this team, but also as an analyst of, you know, in a year where we're not having a long ramp up period, we're seeing a lot more soft tissue injuries. It feels like already and players who have been you know injured in college or coming off injuries from last year or, you know, have a high number of injuries in their career, it's pretty dang concerning that at so many key positions, we got guys who, you know, have, I don't like to use the, the phrase injury prone, but you have guys who have a significant injury past that you have to worry about. I never really realized that, but God, you look everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, Nick Bosa goes in that category as well. It's it's crazy. Now I'm like, I felt rock <laughs> solid about the team. And now I'm like, now you're terrified, right? Cards? <laughs> what are you doing to me? Yeah, so hopefully, you know, uh, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, everybody stays healthy, right? But it's the NFL, that doesn't happen. So you end up relying on a guy like Javon Kinlaw who has, you know, surgically repaired shoulders. And that's that's pretty scary. You know, someone who's going to have to replace DeForest Buckner, who we saw last year what, I mean, obviously new D-line coach helped, but we saw last year how important Defo was to freeing up a Nick Bosa, to freeing up Ark Armstead, who had the best year of his life and gets a nice fat contract off of it. So I, I think even if you get past like, Oh man, some of these guys, that's an injury waiting to happen. And you got to worry about it with the D line. That was the best in football last year. Like I, I worry about, you know, can they, can they remain where they were now relying on a, a really, really good prospect as a rookie, but you're relying on a guy with an injury history uh, who's not had a big ramp up period. And he's going to be asked to be a pretty big anchor for this team. Let's get into that a little bit because I keep hearing the thing I keep hearing about Kinlaw is, He's really big, which is great. But then I also keep hearing he can't get past Lake and Tomlinson. And newsflash, Lake and Tomlinson is not a special guard in this league. It's not Nelson, right? If, if Kinlaw is just a guy who can clog up the lane, the running lane, is that okay? Is that all they need from him? No, I don't think it is. I mean, obviously, Nick Bosa is amazing, and he's going to be able to do his thing, but – I do think that you need penetration from that position. You know, it's so simple to just say, Hey, we need him to be DeForest Buckner, but really do you need him to be DeForest Buckner and be able to do some of those things where yes, you're going to clog rushing lanes and you're going to, you know, have people pinching so that Nick Bosa and, and hopefully D Ford can make things happen around the edge. But I think Kinlaw is going to have to be someone who also gets that upfield burst where Buckner was so good at that, even if it didn't always produce sacks, but it's the hurries, the hits, the disruptions, you know, and with Kinlaw, like you said, everybody's like, oh, my God, he's huge. Uh, you know, so is Buckner. You know, they, they, these aren't small guys. So is Armstead. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can also disrupt those passing lanes like Buckner was so, so good at that just really rounds that whole team out. I feel like he somehow became underappreciated by Niner fans after that trade. It was like, ah, he wasn't that good anyway. Like, yeah, he is. He's the second best defensive tackle in football. He's a really good player. So I think that, that you know, Buckner's going to be missed. And even if Kinlaw becomes him, it's not going to be him year one. You know, it's, this is not an Aaron Donald type prospect. Who's going to come in and wreak havoc day one. It does help that, you know, he has a very, very good cast of pass rushers around him, but 
I think it's foolish to say, oh, well, you know, this rookie is going to come in and replace our all-pro defensive tackle. You cannot expect that level of play from him right now. It's, it's really not fair to Kinlaw if anyone puts that level of expectation on him because he's not going to be an all-pro. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I get cold-ticked on this one, but I just can't <laughs> see him being an all-pro in a rookie year based on what we saw at South Carolina. If there's one thing you know about fans, they're all about fairness, right? I mean, <laughs> always. Yes. I mean, look yeah. at, look at uh, Raheem Mostert, right? He has a gr- mm. runs for more yards than anybody's ever run for in a championship game, and everyone loves him. Then this offseason, he says, "Hey, I probably deserve a little bit more money than I've gotten," and we're running him out of town. He stinks. Right. We don't need him. It's Kyle Shanahan's Just system. Find anyone? Then yeah. He makes peace with the team, and now we love him again. He's going to run for fifteen hundred yards this year. Yeah, that's the hardest thing for me. I kind of went on a rant about that uh, Friday morning, you know, about fans, how it's like we are so uh, like we're, we're almost like brainwashed in this cult of everything the team does is right. <laughs> Every player on the team is the best. You know, nothing we ever do is wrong. And it's like, well, if that were the case, everyone would be 16 and 0 and win the Super Bowls. And that's that's not how it works. Like your favorite player, someone might be better than him. You know, Travis Kelsey might be better than George Kittle. I know that's, you know, sacrilegious to say, but uh it is crazy. And Mostert's a great example of that. A player who I really, really like. Um, and, and I'm glad he's back. But there's definitely that that feeling of like, oh, you're a running back. We're not going to pay you. And this is Kyle Shanahan. And we can find anybody. You know, we'll find an Olandis Gary and, and, you know, pull him off the scrap heap and he'll rush for a thousand yards in this offense. So I, I think with that's got to be tough for those players, too, you know, for a, for a Mostert to look at that room and look at Tevin Coleman and Jerk McKinnon and the money those guys are making. And he was better than them last year much better than them like that what has to Kevin be Coleman doing even starting games for this team yeah I, I still don't know like even when Brita got traded it was like okay well most has to be the plan right or we're gonna see somebody you know come in you know a Devonta Freeman or something and it's like nope it's Tevin Coleman and Jerick McKinnon and speaking of guys you know with injury concerns there's two big ones right there no, no. Jarek McKinnon's going to be the MVP this year. Haven't you listened to the, <laughs> what people are saying? He's uncoverable. Yeah, that, I hope. You know, uh, He's going to be the Austin Eckler, you know, Kenyon Drake of this offense. I hope that's what happens because you know, I'd, like to, I'd like to see my favorite team in another Super Bowl again like last year. But, um, man, I just it is a little concerning to work, you know, put all that pressure. Again, this is a run-based team. Like This, is, this offense is predicated on the run, and – those are your backs. So it's a little concerning, you know, not that you need a Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. It'd be nice, but I do think you need a little better than Jerk McKinnon and Tevin Coleman. I have the solution. Just go out and trade for Frank Gore, who apparently is the <laughs> best running back in Jets. Camp you, right. right? Uh, I hope he, that, like, seriously, I love Frank Gore. Uh, one of my all time favorite Niners, you know, behind like, you know, Steve Young and Jerry Rice, Frank Gore's way up there. I, I love that. You know, I think the quote was, he looks like he did 12 years ago. Uh, Adam Gay said that. And so, you know, he might make Le'Veon Bell expendable. So maybe, maybe Le'Veon Bell's the answer for the 49ers. There were rumors that they were, they were sniffing around Le'Veon Bell. That, that might've happened. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's one thing that's going to be interesting this year is do, do we see much trade action or do teams try to like hold on to their guys, you know, because, because you're worried that somebody might, you know, get hurt, might get COVID and you know, you're going to need all this depth. Or do you see teams like get rid of their guys where, Hey, we know we're not bringing Le'Veon Bell back. We're going to cut him. Let's try to get something for him. Even if it's like a day three pick, we'll try to get something out of nothing. Um, so I, I think like for me as a, you know, national analyst, that's one of the fun storylines is like, what is going to happen? You know, are we going to see the Niners, you know, try to make an ad at the trade deadline? Or are we going to see teams just hunker down? 
Now, if the Niners do make an ad, they'll most likely have to give up draft picks. This college football season, I mean, it's unprecedented. We're, we've never seen anything like it. We might have two major conferences not playing, although maybe the Big Ten is going to play now. Who knows? Right. With all that up in the air, do you think that trading for draft picks in next year's draft is going to be affected by this? Like, would you be more willing to give up a draft pick because you don't even know what the college football season is going to be like and your scouting film is going to be a year old? Yeah, so that's actually what I'm doing right now, uh, trying to trying to watch tape and get ready for – but, you know, especially like the guys like a Michael Parsons or Gregory Russo, who, you know, we know we're going to be first round picks and have already opted out trying to watch them. But I, so I would be, if I were a team that, you know, had a lot of 2021 draft picks, I would look at, at if you could moving those to 2022. Now I think you have to be careful with that because you don't want to pull the trigger too early. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, like a team like Houston, maybe Bill O'Brien knew this was coming. They don't have a first or second round pick, you know, but they do have, Laramie Tunsil and you're not going to find an offensive tackle in most drafts that look like a Laramie Tunsil. So I think that is something that for a team like the 49ers, you hope that you're picking 31st or 32nd and you probably would be more willing to say, okay, if we can get uh, a contributor, like a high, high level contributor, the, the cap makes that a little tricky, but, or, you know, if you're on the clock, you can look at, Hey, let's move this to next year, you know, or let's move back, you know, 15 spots where we still like a player, and maybe pick up a, a pick for next year. So I think that 22 draft is going to be fascinating because like even right now, the NCAA is allowing guys next year eligibility, regardless of if they play this fall or not. So even with that, like we might actually see seniors have to declare for the draft instead of saying, I'm going to take my extra year eligibility and go back to college. So it's, it's really making everything hard right now. Not that anyone's crying for us draft analysts, but it has made it hard, you know, to figure out, okay, who do I prioritize? Who do I even, I guess I'll watch the seniors and, and, you know, if, if guys decide to go back to school, then you just have an extra year of, of tape and notes. And that's always helpful, but it is, it's hard to, to figure out right now. Are we staring at what could be the most important combine in the last 10, 20 years? If it happens, right. I mean, uh, being at the combine last year was so weird and bizarre, not just because the schedule changed, you know, like no one wanted to interact because, you know, this, this pandemic was really starting and, and taking a foothold. So if there's a combine, and I, I hope to God that there is, yes, it's going to be incredibly important, which is terrifying as well, because we see it every year. Players get a combine bump that they shouldn't, you know, like, oh, my gosh, this guy's so fast. Well, you're forgetting that he was hurt or, you know, that he's not that good at the actual football stuff, that he's just an athlete. And we see that all the time. And so I think that is it's dangerous. And even with the 21 draft, I think, or 20 draft, excuse me, I think we saw you know, teams really stuck to, we're taking the best players first. You know, it was pretty much a chalk draft until the Raiders took Damon Arnett. And I think a lot of that was like, Hey, we're going to take the guys that we know and that we've seen and that, you know, there aren't question marks about, and then you know, some really good players who were hurt fell in the draft, you know, like a Brandon Ayuk or, you know, like Brian Edwards, uh, who's, who's having a great camp for, for the Raiders. You know, there's, I think that's what makes it it makes it really hard. And that's where your scouting department has to just be so good, not only in evaluating players, but having the sources at the colleges so that you can say, Hey, what's this guy like? Because you're going to be relying a lot on that. You're not making school visits this year. So you're going to be relying a lot on those sources to let you know, what's this guy's character like? What's his work ethic? Like, you know, what kind of injuries are we dealing with? What kind of upside are we dealing with? So the, the draft process is going to be, it's going to be different. That's for sure. I never thought about that. That's a really good point. Yeah, you really got to depend on that. So we'll we'll see a lot of uh, Arizona State players in San Francisco since they love Herm. Right. Yeah, yeah, and they've got a couple of good players, so that that could work. But 
uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, and again, no one's, no one's crying for me, uh, but it's this year is, it is unprecedented. You know, even, you know, my bosses are like, what are we, what are we doing this fall? It's like, I don't know, guys, we're going to wait and see. Uh, we're going to, we're going to watch the football games that are on and evaluate those players and just kind of roll with what happens. I know you're at the combine. So I have to ask this, are you an Elmo's guy or are you roots? Chris guy in Indy? Oh, so I actually am a prime guy, um, is, is my move. Um, I've, I've been going to the combine for a decade now, I guess. And so I've, I've had it all. Um, but if I had to pick between those two, I would definitely do Elmo's just because the history, but a little hidden secret about Indianapolis is there's a place right next door to Elmo's called Harry and Izzy's and they, it's the yep. same kitchen like that. So you can get the, the spicy shrimp cocktail at Harry and Izzy's. You get the same steak, same wine, everything. Like it's the same jam. So if you can't get into Elmo's, like you just go to Harry and Izzy's and it's, I think it might actually be cheaper too. Oh, yeah. uh, and you can always get a reservation there. Don't you think it's a little weird that this famous steakhouse in Indianapolis is known for its shrimp cocktail? Isn't it's that a little weird. backwards? It is a little backward, but it is that good. And one of my favorite things to do is anytime we have someone new with us who's never been to the combine, you always get it. And you watch them load that cracker up or load their shrimp up with that cocktail sauce. And like I, I last year, I even one of our camera guys, like I got it on video. It was like, oh, it's good. You got to try it. And I'm just like secretly filming him. And, uh, and as anyone who's had it knows, then your sinuses are instantly cleared, basically. Oh, yeah. You feel it crawl up the, the back of your nose and you're done. But you know what? I agree. It's, it's fantastic. I look forward to it every year. Yeah, it's one of those things you have to do. Like you have to have it. Well, thank you very much, Matt. I I'm, I'm really appreciate the time. You're somebody that I've followed on Twitter for a long time and I really wanted to talk to. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, I appreciate having me on, man. And uh, you know, go Niners. Looking forward to this year. Amen. At NFL Draft Scout, he's Matt Miller. Thanks, everybody, so much for joining. We'll be back on Monday with another Niners Nation podcast.